Well, welcome to week one of dealing with difficult people. Dealing with difficult people. If you're joining us on Facebook, I want to welcome you, whether it's our YouTube channel or our podcast, or if you're here in person, so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about critical people. Critical critical people. And how many of you would say, I know someone very, very Critical. Would you raise your hand all over the room, all online, give us a thumbs up or raise your little hand there on the chat. I know somebody very, very, very critical. How many of you would say, um, I know someone uh, that's sitting right next to me that's very, very critical. Would you raise your hand? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't fall for it. Um, you know, I want to I share something that's very personal uh, with me, and I kind of want to be a little bit vulnerable um, uh, as we begin the message, you know, preaching is a funny thing. It's it's an interesting thing. Anytime you preach, uh, in fact, I would not encourage any of you to get into preaching unless you believe that God is calling you, uh, because it's not it's not an easy thing. But on any any given Sunday, I'll have several hundred eyes on me. Right? They'll, they're watching my every move. You know, whether it's the first service, second service, whether it's people online. Um, on any given Sunday, I'll have several, several hundred years listening to my every word. And, of course, on any given Sunday, I will have people, in fact, this happened last week, that will say, they'll, they'll stop me after the service and say, Pastor, thank you so much for that message. Um, so last week that happened. Um, you know, Pastor, thank you so much for the message, man. You were speaking to me. That was so great. That was like the best message I've ever heard. In the same day, maybe at, at a, maybe at, sometimes it's even the same service. Last week it was a different service. I'll have someone else that will say, Pastor, where can we get a little bit more? I want a little bit, I want to go deep, you know, I want to go, and it's okay, it's all good, you know, it's well-intended people that will look at me, uh, at least they're telling me to my face, right, because sometimes people will say it at lunch, right, like they'll, man, man, the message today, that was rough, man, he was struggling today, and so I'm not, don't look at me like that, I know you all talk about me behind my back, it's all good, but here's, here's, here's what I, what I, why I say that. By the way, anytime somebody says, man, I want something deep, here's what I usually tell them. If anybody tells you this, you, you're, I want to empower you to use my response, okay? This is what I usually say. You want deep? Go rescue somebody. Share the gospel because people do not need to be rescued in the shallow. I heard my pastor back home say that, and I was like, that is so true. You want to go deep? There's nothing deeper than reaching a person's soul and talking to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's just kind of my, my thing. But on a personal level, here's what I would say. I have to deal, on the one hand, I have to deal with my pride. Because, man, I love it. When you tell me, great message, and you pat me on the back, and you, man, that was good. You know, that, like, I needed that. Like, man, I feel like, I feel like, man, that is awesome doing a good job. But if I'm not careful, my pride gets in the way. Now, the flip side of that is when you tell me, hey, where can we get more? How can we get into God's Word? Then I have to deal with my insecurities. So you see how that plays? It's both. You know, it's, it's pride, it's insecurities. And I would dare say that 
In a similar way, you deal with the same thing. You deal with this issue of pride, but you also deal with this issue of your insecurities. And so people will criticize you for what you do, and they'll criticize you for what you don't do. Does that make sense? Have you ever been there? Like you do one thing and somebody's critical of you? Like, like I don't know, maybe for you it was your parents growing up. You did something one way and they criticized you. You did something another way and you still were getting it. And so I, say, I want you to say something, whether you believe it or not. I want you to just, just play along. Would you say this with me? I will be criticized. Okay, let, let's all say it. I think it's true. I think whether you're a believer or not, I think all of us at one point in our lives will all be criticized. So I want us to say it together. Ready? One, two, three. I will be criticized. Say it one more time. I will be criticized. Yeah. So you take Moses, for example. Moses, they criticized his family, he was criticized by his family for the woman that he married. She was a Cushite. Everybody say Cushite. And um, both Aaron and Miriam, they did not like her and so criticized him for marrying her. Um, so if your family criticizes you for the person that you have married, well, welcome to Moses Club. You're not the only one, okay? Um, he was criticized for leading the people of God, the Israelites, out of the bondage of the Egyptians, out of the slavery of the Egyptians. In, in fact, some of the same people that were, that were set free came to him and they said, man, we wish we would be back in Egypt. We wish that things were, you know, things were so much better in Egypt. You f fast forward to the New Testament and you have Paul guy that wrote two-thirds of the new testament he was criticized for not being a good teacher did you know that he was criticized you know they call him a hypocrite uh, jesus the son of god a man who was perfect without sin he was criticized for hanging with the wrong crowd you read scripture you read the gospels he was criticized for eating with the tax collectors for healing people on the sabbath for being a friend of sinners so let's all say it together one more time play along I will be what? Criticized. Criticized. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 5. We're going to hang on to this verse today, and actually probably for some of the series as well. I want this verse to be the anchor of, uh, that we, that I want us to anchor ourselves to Ecclesiastes 7, 5. I want, I'm going to read it from the New King James Version first, and then I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. This is such a powerful verse that I want you to really, like, if you can memorize this, I mean, I think it'll do you a lot of good, okay? So I love to read from different translations, so I'm going to read from the New King James first, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Verse 5, I'm kind of slowing down a little bit in case you want to follow along, okay? So this is what the Bible says. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise, listen to this, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man, and that's both a man or a woman, to hear the song of fools. Man, that is deep. Let me read it from the New Living Translation. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by 
fools. Better to be criticized by a wise person. Same idea, different wording, but it's the same thing. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. So here's what I wrote down on my notes. If you're taking notes, it's a great, great point. Praise and criticism are windows to the heart. Do you know that? Praise and criticism... When someone praises you, when somebody criticizes you, what you need to understand is that these are just windows to our hearts. So when, when, someone, when somebody praises something or someone, it reveals what they value most. When someone criticizes another individual, a family, a workspace, whatever, what it reveals when that person is being overly critical, what, what criticism often reveals is their deepest insecurities. So about 10 years ago, I had someone on staff, not this church, different church, different state, and I'm not going to say names, I'm not going to reveal anything like that, not even genders. This person um, was always critical of our students always critical of our young people what they wear the makeup that they have i mean it was like every week you know this person was always complaining about the boys uh, like one time this person brought me literally brought me a belt on sunday morning so i would hand it to one of our boys because his pants were a little bit loose and i promise you like if i see a boy like with his pants like down to his knees i'll say something but it wasn't that and it was constant, constant, week after week after week after we hired this person for um, about a year and a half into it, I learned that this person was having an affair with somebody else in the church. And while they were having the affair, they were being overly critical of our students, what the makeup that they wear, the, the clothes that they were wearing. And so here's what you got to know. You've got to know this, and this is not easy, but you have to understand critical people will use criticism to validate themselves. They usually use criticism to validate something that's wrong in them, within themselves. I don't know if it's that it makes them feel special. I don't know if it makes them feel important. But I know this. Inwardly, inwardly, they're miserable. Now, let me give you the flip side of that. On Mondays, I have a DLT meeting. This is our directional leadership team meeting. Every other Monday, we meet with a group of volunteers. Some of them are on staff. And we talk about the church, what we're doing, where we're going, vision, strategy, all of that. And one of the things that we do almost every single Monday is we, we will share wins. Like, what, what are some things that, that you know, we want to encourage one another. So the reason why we do that is because, man, we're fighting. You've heard me say it before. We fight hell to keep people out of hell. And so, like, it's important for us as our team is coming to, together to encourage one another and to share the things that, that God is doing. So, you know, like, one person will share one thing. Another person will share something else. Half of the time, I have, I'm not, you know, like, I don't know some of the wins that are happening in our kids' environments and the stories there and the stories with life group and so it's a great exercise and then usually there's someone there and now I, I know them because i know my team by now but there are usually people who are always bragging on our volunteers like i'll share hey what, what's what's the win for this week what was your win and they will say man so and so they did such a great job leading volunteer rally. So-and-so, man, their breakfast, every time they make breakfast, then they demand so-and-so, like, on our worship team, man, like, they were not, like, they were going to be out. Their family was coming in. You know, some of our people are sick. They stepped it up to the plate, and they showed up. That just happened last Monday, and they brag on our people. Now, what does that tell me about that individual 
on my DLT team. This is what it tells me. It tells me they value people. Praise often reveals what we value most. Criticism often reveals our deepest insecurities. Does that make sense? Praise and criticisms are windows to the heart. Uh, you know, Jesus puts it like this, Matthew 7, 1, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you um, treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. I love this verse. Um, one of the things, as I was reading it, I didn't know this. Some translations actually say it like this, The measure, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which God will judge you. Isn't that interesting? That the way you judge, the way you criticize, the way you do things and judge, you can judge things in a good light and in a negative way, right? But just the way you do it is the same way that God's going to, it's the same standard that God is going to give you. So, so here's a question. How do we deal with critical people? Sadly, some of you, you've had critical parents and there was nothing that you could do growing up to satisfy that. To You could never live up to their standards or you could never do what they, you know, for some of you, your marriage. If you're, caref- if you're honest with each other, it's characterized mostly by conversations that where one of the two or both of you are being overly critical. And it's hard to confront that truth. So what I want to do today is I want to give you two wrong responses on how to deal with the criticism and then three right responses, okay? Two wrong responses to three right responses. So the first two wrong ones is this. Number one, fight, fight. Somebody criticizes you and immediately what you do is you fight. Say it with me. You what? So I don't know if you're like me, but like somebody's critical, whatever it is, my heart beat begins to, you know, beat faster. Like, does that ever happen to you? My blood pressure rises. I begin to think, you know, how do I defend myself against what they're saying? You know, like I, I could even be talking to them and I leave them and immediately my brain, like I'll, I'll replay the whole movie right in my mind over and over and over. And I'm going to say this next time and I, this is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to get them and I'm going to hit them with this. And you what? You fight. You fight. Do we have any fighters in the house today? Raise your hand. Be honest. Okay, you hypocrites. I know some of you are fighters. I've had the conversations with you. Just joking, just joking. We can have fun in church, right? It's okay to have fun, all right? You're not a hypocrite. I want you to send me an email telling me that you're offended. Um, that's one way. Another way is to withdraw. You can fight, you can flight, right? You keep your distance, stiff arm them. You do not engage in healthy conversations. Uh, I, the first, one of the first pastors that I served under was very much like this. He had been hurt in ministry so much that like nobody could get close to him. Like he treated the staff like this because he had been hurt to a point where like, man, I just cannot take it anymore. And so I want you to know those two are natural responses. We do that, we fight, sometimes we withdraw, but that they're not the right responses, okay? Now let me give you three right responses, okay? The first one, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. The first one that I'm going to give you one is probably one of the most important ones. And this is, um, I cannot overemphasize how important this is. Proverbs 15. If you want to become all that God wants you to be, practice this, okay? This is going to, this is, I cannot, 
personally, I, I cannot preach anything that's more practical than this. Uh, if you want to be the best version of yourself, learn to do this. This is hard. This is really hard. But I think this is the reason why I put it first, okay? Proverbs 15, 31. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 15, 31. If you listen, if you what? If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Well, I want to do that. I want to be among the wise. If you reject, verse 32, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in what? In understanding. Well, I want to grow in understanding. I want to be a wiser person. I want to, I want to be a better person. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Now, if you, if you pay attention, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, some other ones may say, tune your ear to, to um, critici- constructive criticism or whatnot. Uh, but if, if you look at this, this particular translation twice, it says, if you listen. If you listen to constructive criticism, this will happen. If you listen to correction, you will hang out with wise people. If you listen, you will grow and understand it. Now, I'm a horrible listener. I don't know if it's what I do as a preacher that I'm always talking, but I am, this is something I struggle with. I would rather talk than listen. In my relationship with my wife, with my kids, I like, I have to do it. Like, I have to, if I'm ever listening to you, I want you to know. Like, I am everything in my heart and mind is trying to just shut my mouth because I'm always talking okay not a good thing but I think that this if you look at what God is saying in Proverbs I think it's so practical now when somebody criticizes you do you does that mean Pastor Alex that you're going to listen all the time nope I don't listen to every criticism that comes my way I would not be in the ministry I would not last a week so when do you listen? It's a great question. When do you, when do you listen? A couple of thoughts. When the other person's motive is to help, not to hurt. When they're knowledgeable. When there is godly wisdom. Look at the verse. Verse 33. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. There's a reason why God puts that in there. It takes humility to listen. And so there are times when the person that's bringing the criticism, man, their heart is to help you. Their heart is to build you up, not to tear you down. Their heart, maybe they've been through something in life. Maybe God God has given them unique wisdom in a particular area. If that's the case, then you better listen. And you better be humble. And you better, humility precedes honor. So let's say that you're struggling with your weight. And you know it, other people know it, and it's just, it's just that struggle, you know, it's a very personal, personal thing, that like, man, this thing, like, I'm just, like, it just food, you know, it just gets me, and, and you're just really struggling, and a friend of yours comes to you and says, hey, listen, uh, my gym is offering a month off, if you want to, let's, let's hang out together, let's work out together, that person may be saying that, because, now, you can take it in two different ways, right, you can say, are you telling me I'm overweight? And you can go down that path, right? Like, are you like, did I just hear you say that? You know? And, and you can go down that path. But if you, know, if you listen beyond the words, then you may find out that the heart is to build up. And they may just be saying, hey, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to be in your life. Totally different than if somebody looks at you and says, <clears throat> you're going to eat more Oreos? 
you know, and kind of leaves it hanging. Has anybody ever said that to you? Man, you've had, this is like, you've had so, you know, and then they just, and then, and then if, if, and they, I love it when they just kind of leave the sentence and just hang in there, you know? You know, are you going to eat another Oreo, you know? And maybe, you know, maybe they're saying it the wrong way, but maybe their heart is not necessarily, maybe the way they said it is not necessarily to build you up. Instead, it's kind of to put you down. And so, there's a time to listen. You're going to listen when their motives are to build you up, not to hurt you. You're going to listen when they're offering you godly wisdom. Now, there's also a time when you're going to answer the criticism, when you're going to offer a defense, okay? And so, when do you do that? When do you answer them? When do you reply back? When do you hit back? When do you offer more information um, when do you speak up? Well, I would say, in fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to, turn to, we're going to get there in a minute, Judges chapter 8, okay, we'll get there here in a minute, I'm going to reference a couple of other verses, but Judges chapter 8, I want everybody, if you have your Bibles and you're following along, Judges chapter 8, it's the seventh book, if you begin in Genesis, it's, it's this is a nugget of truth that I'm going to give you this morning and that I think you're going to appreciate. So when do I answer? We answer when there's information that's missing. The other person doesn't understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, they, you know, if you provide for them a little bit more information, their perception or perspective of you is going to change. You answer when a person is, the other person has an open mind, they have an open heart, they're open to change. And, and, and I think that's important because, you know, in 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, but I'll, I'll put it on the screen. Paul is teaching Timothy. So Paul has his guy, his apprentice, Timothy, and he's teaching him. Timothy's in ministry. He's teaching him a few things. And he says this. He says, 2 Timothy uh, 2.15, he says, Paul says to Timothy, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. By the way, it's God's approval that we're after, okay? You, you're never going to be able to please people, but you can please God. So Paul is teaching Timothy, okay? There's nothing new. This, we've been dealing with this forever you know since we were created and so Paul says work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval it's his approval you're after he says be a good worker one who does not need to be ashamed and one who correctly explains the word of truth Second uh, Timothy 2 15 if you will write then the reference down now in verse 16 uh, it's interesting he says avoid worthless foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior this kind of talk spreads like cancer as in the case and he mentions a couple of other guys and so paul is telling timothy hey avoid don't waste your time on endless chatter there's times when you get into a, a conversation with another individual and you try to offer more information you try to give them your perspective and it's not going anywhere and there's a there's a line that Paul is saying, there's a, there's a point where you say, you know what, I, I just, I shouldn't really keep going this, in, the, this, in this direction. That's why in the New Testament, uh, Jesus, do you remember what Jesus tells his disciples when he sends them to preach a gospel? And he says, if you go into a town and they don't listen to you, if you go into a home, listen, like if you're in their home, and they're not listening to the message that God has for you. Remember what Jesus told his disciples to do? I want you to leave and what? Shake the dust off your feet. And if you read the book of Acts, all over, 
the apostles and the disciples would go and they would preach the gospel and they did not receive it. Some did, some didn't. And they would literally, I don't know if it was a literal thing. I don't know if it was a tr- something that just happened because of tradition. I don't know if it was a cultural thing. But I, I take it that they literally say, you know what? It's not worth our time. And so there are times when, when you do that. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you the best reference that I could find in Scripture in the Old Testament. You're in Judges, okay? Um, so when people, when do we answer? When people are missing information, but they're open to change, when they're um, willing to listen and they have an open heart, um, if they, you know, um, so let, let's get to Judges chapter 8, okay? Great example. A little bit of an obscure story, but I think this is a good one. It says this, Judges chapter 8, verse 1. Listen to this. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon. Who is Gideon? He's a man of God. He's going to deliver the nation of Israel from the enemy. Gideon is the good guy, okay? The Ephraimites, another group of people, they're coming to him. And they kind of leave, they, they feel left out because Gideon is going to battle and Gideon didn't ask him to join him to fight, okay? And so now the Ephraimites, this group of people, come to Gideon complaining and they say, why have you treated us like this? Has anybody ever said that to you? I've been there many times. Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? So they feel left out, right? And it says, and then they, what? They criticized him sharply. Now I want you to see how Gideon responds. But he... What's the third word? Answered them. There is a time to listen. There is a time to speak up. But he answered them. Watch this. What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abiezer? In other words, this group of people, they come to Gideon and they're criticizing him. They're pounding him. You know, like they're, they're after him. The Bible says sharply. Like this is not like a, you know, like we read this sentence and it's easy, right? Because we're not facing the criticism. But they're going after him. And they're, they're putting him in, in front of everybody. And then they're asking, why did you not use this? And why this? And why that? And Gideon goes. And he, the Bible says, he has an answer to them. Now, what I think it's interesting is that he does not fight back. If you read the whole passage, you're going to see he does, he's not fighting back, but he's not withdrawing either, right? He's not fleeing. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to handle the criticism. You know, he answers them. And the way he answers them is very, I love, there's so much wisdom in here. He gives a defense, but if you read it, and you study that, the, the, just a few verses, what you're going to find out is it's actually lifting them up, which is a very hard thing to do. When somebody's being critical of you, the hardest thing, it's easy to fight. I'm there. Sign me up. I can do it. I enjoy it sometimes. Okay? Not really. Um, but I, I can fight. You know? I can withdraw too. Sometimes that's what I do. I, man, I, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this. You know? You're like, I'm, I'm checking out. And it happens in our relationships, right? Like, I'm going to bed. I'm done. I'm not going to talk anymore. But I think what's hard, the hardest thing to do is to say, you know what? 
you're such a great person. And if you read the passage, if you study what Gideon is doing, he's actually building them up. He's encouraging them. He says, look at all the things that you've done in comparison to me. And he's making them feel better. He's giving them more information. Look in verse 3. So God gave Oreb and Zaib, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. That's what Gideon is saying to them. You know, why are you wanting to go into battle? God's already done so much for you. But what was I able to do compared to you? In verse 3 it says, At this their, what's the next word? Resentment against him subsided. So there is a time to listen. There is a time to answer. If they're willing to change, if maybe with a little bit more information, they can flex with you and their people. There are people that you will talk to. They are rigid. They're not going to, man, they, they're, you, you try and you try. They're concrete. You pour into them and you pour some more and you pour some more and it doesn't, and nothing grows. And so that leads me to our third point. There is time when you dismiss the criticism. It is very hard. It's so important too, but it's super, super hard to dismiss invalid criticism. When do you do it? When do you do it? When do you dismiss the criticism? Well, if the person is overly, they're characterized by being overly critical. Every time, and it's not just you, it's other people as well. Like, or every time they talk to you, I don't like my job, and I don't like my boss, and I don't like the music we play at church, and it's too loud, and it's too soft, and it's too cold, and the youth pastor is like this, and my parents were never good to me, and gas, you know, like gas prices are like this, and, and it's always like something that's negative, right? The government's never going to do anything good, and the weather's not good today, I'm not going to church, and there's nothing good on TV, and it's constant. Don't listen to those people. They're never going to see anything good in you. They're never going to see anything good in life. Here's the second, the second option, the second time where you're not going to listen, where you're going to dismiss the criticism. They're emotionally unstable. They're, they're, they're wounded. They're unhealthy. Maybe there's an area of, your, of their life that, that it's like, man, it's, it, they're, they're hurting deeply. They're unhealthy. They're, they're wounded. You don't dismiss the person. Uh, hear, me, hear me out. Okay? You don't dismiss a person. You're going to dismiss their words. You're going to dismiss the criticism. Okay? You don't, you, we love people that are hurting. We love people that are wounded. But, but you, you have to understand, hurt people, people who've been hurt deeply, hurt others. Hurt people hurt people. You've heard that before. So you may have someone that's financially struggling, and, and they've never been faithful in their tithe, they've never been faithful to, you know, like they've never kept a budget. And you, on the, hand, the other hand, I mean, you've always been, like for the most part, you've been faithful in this area and you're disciplined with your budget and you save and you, you know, and, and, and you've, you've paid off your debt and you've managed your, the resources that God has provided for you. You've managed them the best way you can and God's blessed you. Well, did you know that you're an easy target? You're an easy target. And sometimes people, because people have no idea the sacrifices you've made. They, didn't, they don't understand what it, what it means to put God first in your life. They don't understand when, when you, man, when you have to pay a bill and you say, God, I want to honor you with the first fruit. They don't understand that. But they look at you and they see, oh, man, nice car. Man, you know, God's, you know. And they judge you. I mean, and it's any, I mean just touching on finances, any other area. It could be somebody that's struggling in their marriage. They look at you and they're like, man, yeah, but it, it just comes so natural 
You know, no, it doesn't come natural. It's been year after year after year of, of, of putting the other person first, of sacrificing myself. And God, yes, God has blessed our, our marriage, but we've also done things for each other. We've, we've nurtured the relationship so much, and when it did not feel like it, we have gone the extra line. And people will look at you and it's like, yeah, yeah, but they, you know, they're just, they're just like that. They were just born like that. No, 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 none, none of this is natural. What's natural is to fight. What's natural is to quit and to withdraw. Jesus faced this all the time. There's a passage in Matthew 15. I know we're being all over the place. Matthew 15, if you want, if you want to follow along, verse 12, where Jesus is teaching the Pharisees, and they criticize him. And, of course, they always brought... You know, they always brought criticism towards Jesus, you know, always found fault, they always offended, always arguing, always asking why. But I want you to see what Jesus' disciples say. Matthew 15, verse 12. It says this, And the disciples came to him, to Jesus, and asked, why, um, Do you, do you, so the disciples come to Jesus, and they ask him this question, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said. I read that verse and I thought, give me a break. Are you kidding me? Like whose team are you on? The disciples are coming to Jesus after everything that he had done. Okay? And they're like, do you realize, do you recognize, did you, did you realize that you just offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And, and I love how Jesus handles this. He tells him a little story. He, he, he basically calls the Pharisees. He, he, he says, he compares them to a plant. And he says, verse 13, he says, Jesus replied, watch this, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be what? Uprooted. So, ignore them. So there are times in your life when you dismiss the criticism. You, you, you know, oh, the Pharisees said this. They're offended. They're like, you know. It's like, don't worry. Don't pay attention to their words. Don't listen. There are people that you don't, like if you let it affect you, it's going to slow you down from what God is saying to you, from what God is wanting you to do. In fact, verse 14, he says, they're blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. So he says, let it go. Let it go. And so I'm going to, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask our worship team to get on stage, but with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to listen carefully. So don't, like if you can sit up straight and, you know, like don't let this time, like don't tune me out. You know, we, we're coming to the end of the service, but I think this is the most important part, okay? If you're listening, if you're watching from home, uh, if the kids are running around, I want you to just get them in place and listen to this very carefully. As you become more effective in whatever you do in life, you'll become a bigger target. You hear me? As you become more effective at work, as you become more effective, like, like in your marriage, like when God blesses those areas of your life that you've, man, like you've been faithful in, 
whether it's your finances, your marriage, whatever, you're a great leader in the community. You, man, it's a ministry that you started or you, you, you just signed up and you're, you're leading. The more effective you become, the bigger the target for criticism. And I want to challenge you to practice what Jesus says. I want, to challenge, I, want, I want to challenge you to learn to shake it off. It's not an easy thing to do. It's super, super hard. It takes everything, everything for me to apply this message. Some of you, you are haunted by the words that somebody said to you years ago. And you've got to let go. Some of you, you try to please people who are not even alive today. And you know that's the truth. If you're honest with yourself, you're pleasing your mom, you're pleasing your dad, you're trying to prove something to yourself, trying to prove something to a coworker or somebody that's a friend, somebody that, something that someone said. And I hope you hear my heart today. You cannot please old people. You can please the one, God, who loves you, who came to redeem you. Praise and criticism are windows to our hearts. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to flip it on you, okay? You ready? I'm flipping the script this morning. Second question is this. Could it be that you are the critical person. We've been talking about how to deal with critical people, right? But could it be that this morning, the critical person is you? Then what do you do? It's very simple. It's very, very simple. Number one, you know if it's you, because the Holy Spirit, if you're a Jesus follower, man, the Holy Spirit will penetrate your heart so deep there's no words I can say that will penetrate your heart like the words that the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind and heart. But if it is you and you are the critical person, here's what I encourage you to do. Repent. What's repentance? Repentance is just kind of readjusting. You change, you change directions. So you're critical towards your wife. Acknowledge, man, that was, that was offline. That was like, I shouldn't have done that. Off base, like I was... Change, readjust. Confess it. Confess, confession is just agreeing with God. I'm saying, Lord, I agree with you, what your spirit is telling me. I'm going to change and I'm going to go in a different direction. And that's the beauty of a relationship with God, that he doesn't punish you for it. You know? Man, he'll applaud you. So here's a challenge this morning. If you are the critical person, write the email today. Make the phone call. Send the text. Open up your heart. Confess it. Repent readjust and what's on the other side is blessings what's on the other side is God putting his hand on you and saying I love your faithfulness Father God we come before you and Lord I believe that in life we can run but we can't hide we can fight and we can withdraw but God our prayer is that we would honor you, God, in the way we answer to others, that, God, we would honor you in the way that we listen, and, God, that we would even honor you when we have to dismiss the criticism. God, help us to be a Gideon. 
help us to to have the courage to and and the the emotional intelligence and the strength God to take the criticism and still be steady still be like Jesus and not let it detract him from from his ultimate mission God I pray right now that you would help all of us God if we if there's if we have a critical heart God break us Lord break our hearts God chip away whatever doesn't need to be there and so God we surrender we surrender to you whether it's the approval of men God whether it's pride or insecurity or with his criticism that we are creating, God. And so we surrender it to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.